Praise the Lord. Let's worship him. Hallelujah. We love you, God. We thank you, Jesus. We feel your presence in this place. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in the house this morning. Hallelujah. We could just use a little more of that. We'll be all right. Hallelujah. We love you. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in our midst. Savior, I praise you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. It feels good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. If you have your Bibles, two verses of Scripture found in the first chapter of Acts. I'm going to be reading verses 8 and 9. And while you're turning there, do you want to say it is an honor always to stand before this great congregation who I admire and love and am a part of. And I thank everyone here for the opportunity to preach the word. This church has made me who I am, and I'm proud of that. I hope you are too. Amen. I'm also thankful for my pastor. I'm glad he's here. Most of the time, the last several times, he hasn't been here when I have preached, and so just the way it is, but I'm glad he's here. I'm always comforted by his presence. I'm thankful for his ministry in my life. Thank you for his wife and their family. Amen. We love your pastor this morning. Amen. Amen. I'm going to teach, preach a little this morning, reading from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. They just question him. Lord, when you baptize us with this Holy Ghost, are you going to restore the kingdom again to Israel? And he tells them no more or less, but says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So from this reading this morning, I want to preach, teach this thought, the overcoming power of a witness. The overcoming power of a witness. Amen. Let's put our Bibles down and let's lift our hands to heaven. Let's ask the Lord to bless the remainder of this service. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost that is in this place. We thank you for your spirit, Lord, that breaks every chain and loosens every fetter. I pray, God, that you touch this man of God. Open these lips of clay. Open these minds and these hearts to receive your word. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you continue to do great and mighty works in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The overcoming power of a witness. When Jesus told this to his disciples he said I'm going to give you power and he said you're going to be a witness and you're going to be a witness in Jerusalem that's where you're going to start and a matter of fact all of Judea you're even going to go somewhere you don't like you don't care for you're going to go to Samaria and you're going to be a witness in Samaria and all to the uttermost part of the earth, Asia, and, and all the parts in that day was literally the uttermost part of the earth as far as they could travel by foot, boat, and you're going to be witnesses in these places. To be 
a witness, what a call it is to be a witness. And it isn't a call that's prejudice, but we all are to be witnesses. That is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to spread the good news because there's power in the good news. What is the good news? Simply put, it's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That is the good news. And the only way that the good news is spread is if there's a witness to tell about it. If there's a witness to go and tell someone, hey, have you heard about the Holy Ghost? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Have you been baptized in Jesus' name? That's what living for God is all about, spreading the good news and being a witness. There's nothing like hearing good news, but it's not good news unless someone witnesses of it. How are we to know it's good unless someone tells us? There's nothing that can bring joy to your ears quite like good news. Like when the doctor report comes in that it's negative, the negative results are in, and and the biopsies came back, and it's negative, and everything is going to be all right. Thank God for that doctor who was a witness of the results and who shared that testimony and let that patient know, hey, everything is going to be all right. He was a witness to the fact that you're going to be Okay, we need to be witnesses that it's going to be okay as long as you have Jesus on your side. Why are we here this morning? We're here because we're serving the Lord. And to get him on our side, that is the goal. So we can be with him on the other side. I don't know what your life goal is. Maybe it's a nicer car or a bigger house or a more grandiose vacation. But the best vacation you can take and the best goal you can have is to make it on the other side and to be with our Lord and Savior. And let me tell you, the promise is real this morning. And you can make it. I'm going to be a witness today that you can make it. There's nothing like good news to hear from an an employer that you landed the job that you've been praying about or you've been promoted to that next level or position. There's nothing like good news. The world needs more good news today, certainly in this time that we're living in. There's so many things that are negative. There's so many things that will pollute your brain with negativity. We need to refrain from those things. Don't fill your mind with negativity, but get, get involved in the Word of God. Get involved in a ministry. Get involved in the kingdom of God so you can be a witness of the good news. Amen. Amen. Good news, like when your favorite retailer has a 50% off sale. Amen. That's good news to someone, right? We're going to go and we're going to spend some saved money because everything is on sale. Amen. Good news. But how else would you know about the good news unless it had been told you? Amen. We need to spread the good news. Amen. I'm thankful for a church this morning that has stood for over 75 years proclaiming the good news. There's longevity today in this church because there's a foundation that has been preached and taught to a world, to a city, and that is why we're here today and we're long-lasting because we tell the good news. We're witnesses of the power of the mighty God in Christ. Hallelujah. We're witnesses that the Holy Ghost is real and alive today. Hallelujah. Amen. Matter of fact, the atmosphere changes when you tell 
the good news. When there's negativity all around you, someone comes in positive, it changes the atmosphere. You could come into the house today, into the house of the Lord, and there could be negativity shrouding your life. But because someone witnesses of the glory of God and the goodness of God, His power comes and changes the atmosphere. I need it sometimes. I need the atmosphere to change in my life every once in a while when things are sour and when things are not right. I need to come to the house of the Lord. I'm glad that I frequent this sanctuary because someone's going to witness to me about how good my God is and what He can do and how He will never change. But as a matter of fact, He gets better and better and better and He will never weaken but he will always be a strengthener of my soul. That's what I need to hear. When the world doesn't want to feed me with positivity, I can come and hear the word of God. I'm thankful for a preacher who will stand flat-footed in a pulpit and tell me that God loves you and God can change you and he can heal you and he can deliver you. I want to be a witness this morning. Well, the best way to witness is to start loving the Lord and reading the Bible more. If you're feeding yourself full of negativity and you're feeding yourself full of TikToks and reels and you're not going to have any good thing to talk about. If you get deranged with social media and its antics, you won't have anything to good anything good to talk about. Be around people that know how to talk about the good things of the Lord. I know it's simple. I know it's elementary, Watson. But we need to talk more about Jesus. We need to spread the news of the Lord. Amen. We need to go into our cities, our job places. I was in Tennessee, and I was eating fried chicken, which I did a lot that week. And I was at a place called Biscuit Love. There was a hospital right across the street in the downtown area of Nashville. And this lady came in, and she was talking to me and my wife, and we were very happy at that moment. And uh, she, she just hung around for a little bit, and uh, I offered her one of my bonuts. It's a biscuit donut sitting on a blueberry compost. It was hard to share, but she seemed friendly, and I didn't know because of COVID if she'd want to take one off of my plate. But she did, and we started talking, and she opened up to me a little bit about why she was there, because across the street, her husband was suffering from, I believe it was lung cancer, and he had been there several months, and she had just been kind of staying at the hospital, and I just told her, you know what, what's his name? She told me his name, and I said, I'll pray for him, because God can heal him. I just wanted to be a small witness in her life. And the tears began to flow down her cheek because someone opened up to her and let her know that there is a God who cares and there is a God who can heal. And it doesn't matter what situation you are in right now. There is a God who can take care of all of your problems. We prayed for her, and I don't know how that story went, but I just wanted to be a witness to her and let her know that I serve a mighty God. I serve a God who can and who is able Amen. That's why we come to church. That's why we preach the good news. That's why we live this life, because it's the best thing that you can ever be a part of. It's the best thing that you can share. 
It's the best inheritance you can pass on to your children is a love for the truth. Amen. A love for Jesus. The best thing you can give your children. Hear me well, parents. This is something that your children need when we're gone. They need the word of God in their life. It's the only thing that will keep them. I'm thankful that I have children that are in the house of God today. They may not be perfect, but they know that we love Jesus. And I don't have to wake them up to get ready for church. They're up before me because they have to be on a T-Rocket van. They have to be driving. They have to run the sound booth. They have to be here and greet people at the door. Why are they doing that? Because they know that there is a God and they have to share this God to this world. Hallelujah. A witness. I want to be a witness. Is this okay this morning? I'm going to say witness probably 5,000 times in this message. So I hope you get what I'm trying to convey. Amen. He said, In Matthew chapter 18, verse 16, But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Something that our founder often taught was the three Ps, three witnesses, Philip and Paul and Peter. He taught from those those thought frames uh, a lot. Philip and Peter and Paul. Peter preached in Acts 2.38 that you need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Paul, in Acts chapter 19, verse 5, picks it up and says, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hand upon them the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied and then you can go to the next P which is found in Acts chapter 2 verse 38 to be baptized I already said that so we're going to skip that um, Philip picks it up and he baptizes the eunuch here is a litter of water what does hinder me to be baptized and Philip baptized the eunuch And there is a simple lesson with the three Ps that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And the word that we just established was baptism in Jesus' name is essential. That's why we still baptize in Jesus' name. And we're witnesses of the scripture. And we teach just like Philip and Paul and Peter that you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. We're witnesses of that truth. Amen. There are types of witnesses that you can do research on in the court of law. There are three major types, although there are five, but there are three major types. There are eyewitnesses. Eyewitness testimony provides strong evidence in a trial. They are people that were actually there. And sometimes they, they, they're a little sketchy, but if there's enough eyewitnesses, there's a greater impact on the verdict because they were there. They saw it. They could tell you every step of the way what happened, the whole, the whole scenario. They could paint that picture in your mind, these eyewitnesses. There's expert witnesses. These are usually people that have professional knowledge on topics that are outside of the ordinary knowledge of the judge or the jury. And they often include people like psychiatrists and psychologists, therapists, doctors, forensic scientists, and handwriting experts. And their witness is important because it's based on proven facts. An expert witness can give testimony based off a proven fact. They're also called fact 
witnesses. And then there is a character witness. A character witness is somebody who knows the individual, who can provide the, per- the defendant with a character witness that this is a good person or this is a bad person. And in criminal trials, character witnesses are important to help establish a defendant's history of behavior. These are types of witnesses. There's an eyewitness. There's an expert witness. And there is a character witness. I want to give some examples of these types of witnesses in the word of God, if you will bear with me. There was a man by the name of Naaman who was the captain of the king of Syria. He was an honorable man, and he was loyal to his master. And because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria, because he was an honorable man, but he was, he was a mighty man of valor, but he had a little problem in his life. Naaman was a leper. And sooner or later, we knew that Naaman's, his, his days were numbered. And the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 5 and verse 2 that the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife, this little maid, this captive lady, this, this person that was taken from her home. And now she's living a life as a maid, a maid to Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him from his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is on, that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And so he did sent a letter to the king asking for this help, and the king got upset, but the prophet heard word that he was trying to reach him. And We know the rest of the story. Naaman goes to the prophet where he is, and the prophet doesn't even go out to greet him, just tells him, go and dip into Jordan seven times. Naaman was a little bitter about that because Jordan was a muddy river. There were plenty other cleaner rivers, but thank God he had some friends that told him, you know, if he would have told you to do any great thing, you would have done it. So Naaman obeyed the voice of the Lord, and he dipped in the dirty Jordan seven times, and he was cleansed of his leprosy. Why did that happen? That happened because there was a witness of the character of who God is. There was a little maid who said, you know what? If he were just to go to the prophet who knows the Lord that I serve, he would be healed of this leprosy. Why did she say that? Because she she understood she was a witness of the power and of the might of God and how he could deliver and how he could heal. She just spoke a word. She was a witness of the goodness of the Lord. And because of that, there was an honorable, honorable man who was spared from leprosy. This person who was in captivity, who probably had a lot of bad things to say about her current state and situation. She had a lot of things she could complain about, she could gripe about, but instead she saw a God who could deliver. She looked on the good things of life and said, you know, it doesn't matter who I am. Let me tell you about the I am and what he can do for you. Oh, come on, somebody. I don't know what you're going through or what type of life troubles you're you're swimming through, but if you just testify about the goodness of God, there's no telling what impact it would have on your life. Hallelujah. If somebody would just be a witness of what God can do. Oh, hallelujah, clap your hands and worship him. There are some things God hasn't healed me from because I didn't have that certain disease, but I could testify of God's character and say, you know what? God is a healer. God can heal you. God can restore you. 
God can give you peace. How do I know that? Because I've seen him do it. I know his character. I know the Almighty. Let me tell you today, if you're going through something, a situation that you need healing in, God can heal you. God can heal you. We've prayed for people in these altars. We've anointed them with oil, and God has healed them, some even immediately, amen. God is a healer. You can never tell me that God doesn't doesn't heal. I don't care what happens. I don't care who passes away, and I'm not being insensitive. I'm telling you, I've seen God heal. I've watched God heal. I know he's a healer. I'm going to testify and be a witness of the character of God and tell you he is a deliverer and a mighty physician. Put your hands together if you believe that. I want to be a witness today of the God I serve. I want to tell of his goodness and of his mercy. I want to share it. As a matter of fact, I don't think you can be a Christian and hoard the good news. Because we are to be witnesses. That's our calling. It doesn't matter what state you're in. It doesn't matter the environment you're a part of. You're to be a witness if you have the Holy Ghost. You have to share Jesus with the rest of the world and whoever you come in contact with. I love it when I'm at work. I don't carry a a, a pulpit around at my workplace. And I don't tell people they need to repent or they're going to die in their sins. But I love, I love it. And I don't mean this for selfish reasons. But when someone comes into my, my office and they, they say a foul word, and men, we know what that's like working with worldly men. Or tell an off-color joke and then realize that I'm in the room and suddenly they look at me and they tell me they're sorry. What does that do for me? That means somewhere in my life they've recognized that I carry a cross Amen. They recognize that I don't talk that way and I don't I don't tell those kind of jokes and I don't I don't I don't entertain myself with that type of behavior because I want to be a witness. I want to be a witness. I want people to know that there's a better life. Amen. There's a God that loves and cares and we don't talk that way. We don't do those things not because we can't do them. It's because we serve a God that we're trying to witness about. Amen. We we, we don't do some things because we want to be a witness of of, of the Lord. Hallelujah. It's not because we're trying to put a thumb on somebody or tell them you can't do this because this is the rules. It's because you see these hands, there's a certain, there's certain things these hands can't do because these are God's hands and I want to be his witness. There's a certain thing, certain things these lips don't say because I want to be a witness and these are God's lips and I'm trying to, I'm trying to please him. Amen. He's the master. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to be a witness wherever I go. And Paul and Silas, we know them very well. And they, they were preaching and teaching, and, and they were cast into the inner prison, the Bible says, because of their, of their actions. And they were beat with many stripes, and they were humiliated in front of a, a crowd of people and, and the magistrates. And they threw them into the prison, and they locked them up so that they wouldn't go anywhere. And there was, there was guards all around the prison, and they could have just said, it's over, we're done. You know, this is our last curtain call. We're, we're, we're just finished. But instead, they knew how great their God was. And so they had their voices. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, that it was a midnight hour. 
It was dark. Probably rat-infested, cold, damp, stony, inner prison. And this is the very setting that they said, you know what, it's time to play some gospel music. And so they just tuned up their vocal cords and they sang praises unto God. They witnessed to those that could hear them with an earshot about the goodness of God and how he is worthy to be praised. These were experts in the gospel. They knew who God was. Their life didn't matter. What mattered was is preaching the gospel and being a witness because they understood who Jesus was. And so it was late at night. They sang praises unto God, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed, and everyone's trying to escape the prison, and there's a guard trying to kill himself. But what happened in the midst of all that organized chaos was this soldier who tried to take his own life ended up getting a Bible study from this Paul and Silas, and him and his family were saved. They fulfilled with the Holy Ghost. They were baptized, amen, because somebody chose to sing praises at a midnight hour and let others know how great God is and that he is great to be praised. Hallelujah. We need to let people know that it doesn't matter how dark it is. It doesn't matter what politicians are saying. It doesn't matter what we're struggling with personally or what we've been through. That God is still great and he's greatly to be praised. It doesn't matter what's happening to me. What you need to know is God is alive and he deserves our worship and he deserves all the glory. Hallelujah. He deserves all that I can give him. Hallelujah. He is the great God, the great king. He sacrificed his life for me. Hallelujah. I wasn't popular, but he died for me on Calvary. And so I'm going to sing him praises. Hallelujah. We need to witness this morning about how great God is. Put your hands together and worship him. Hallelujah. It's one of my... It's an interesting read in the Bible. I like it very much because Jesus is going one way, and he tells the disciples, we need to go through Samaria, which was not uh, in direct line or pursuit of where they were heading. So he, he says, I need to go to Samaria. They were going into Galilee, and, and so surely this probably confused the disciples because the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans because they were half-breeds. They were considered dogs. And so the Assyrians and the Jews' offspring is the Samaritan. And so this is not a, a people we deal with. They even developed their own place of worship, which, which was a slap to the face to the Jews. So they didn't even want to be around the Samaritans. And so Jesus goes this way because he, he, he knows there's a need. He knows that there's a people that need to know about him. And he comes to a well, and a woman from Samaria comes to draw water. And he asks her, he says, give me to drink. The disciples weren't with him. They were going away to buy food. And the woman said unto him, you're a Jew. Why are you asking me for a drink? I'm a woman of Samaria. You don't have any dealings with me. I'm also a woman. Why are you even talking to me? 
Jesus gives her some words of inspiration in life. He said, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou would have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. If you would have asked me, give me to drink. And the woman said unto him, I don't have anything to draw with. The well's deep from whence then hast thou that living water. You don't have anything to draw with, Jesus. And, uh, and, then, and then how are you going to give me that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus said, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a mist of water springing up into everlasting life. I love this read. And the woman said, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. This is a daily activity. I do this every day. I have to have this water. But if you give me what you're talking about, I will never have to do that again. And he said, Go call your husband and come hither. And the woman said, I have no husband. And Jesus reads her mail. You said, well, I have no husband. For you've had five husbands. And the one you're with now is not your husband. So you've, you've spoken truly. And the woman, the lights come on and she says, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And ye say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And he said, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And this is the best part of this story. Because after she hears all this and after the disciples come, this lady says, you know, I, I got to go tell. I got to go tell everyone in my city about you. I got to let them know who you are. And she left her water pot. Brother Nate, she left her water pot. I remember the message you preached. She left her water pot there and she went and she ran into a city. And she started telling men about a man who, come see a man which told me things that I never did. Is, is this not the Christ? So this woman was called out. This woman was told on. This woman, her sin was revealed. And that's all Jesus did to her. He called her out. He said, you're a sinner. You're living in sin. And the man you're with now isn't even your husband. And she says, oh, I got to go tell everyone in the city about what this man just told me. He didn't know me, and he told me who I was. This is a testimony. She was an eyewitness to the fact that Jesus was a prophet, more than a prophet. He was the Messiah, and she went and she told the city, come see a man, and they went out of the city, and they came to Jesus. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him just for the saying of the woman, just for this witness, just for this testimony. These men come out of the city and, and, and they hear this testimony, and they stay there with Jesus, and many more believed because of Jesus' own word. And, and he said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this indeed is Christ, 
the Savior of the world. And Jesus was there two more days just ministering to the people of Samaria. Why? Because the lady was so impressed that he called her out. She went and witnessed about this Messiah who is to come. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. He knows who I am. He knows who I am. That was her testimony. He, he knows who I am. He, he knows everything I've done. Why don't you come and see who he is? And these people looking at this lady, who I don't even know what kind of respect the Samaritans had for this kind of lady, they believed her enough to go out to where Jesus is because she was so excited about who Jesus was. And there was a great revival in the city of Samaria because somebody was an eyewitness of who Jesus was. What am I trying to say? What has God done for you lately? Has he forgiven you of your sin? Has he done something great in your life? Has he provided for you? Has he delivered you from some some painful thing? Well, then you should go tell somebody about that because he gave us this Holy Ghost so that we could be a witness. Why are we witnesses? To tell others about Jesus so they could get the Holy Ghost and they can witness to others and tell people about Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, someone. You need to be a witness today. Hallelujah. I challenge somebody to leave this place and just witness to one person about the goodness of God. Just tell about what he's done for you. Tell about his character. Just tell them how great he is and watch what happens because God gave you the Holy Ghost. He gave you a power and he called you to be a witness. Amen. Amen. So we are to be witnesses. There was a power in that woman's testimony, and many believers, many became believers just because of her witness, just because of her testimony, her eyewitness explanation of what Jesus did for her. That won't be too much longer. In my realm of profession, um, yes, I'm going to talk about surveying a little bit. We we are responsible at the county surveyor's office for the pep- perpetuation and protection of government corners. And that sounds really cool, but what that really means is we make sure that the positions don't move and that if they are moved or replaced, that the correct methods to put them back in, in the position has been uh, used. And there's a manual that guides us, and there's, there's a Land Surveyors Act, and there's, there's law that helps us, but... Um, back in the day when the original corners were set in landmarks and they dug those in the ground or they built rock mounds and they set them in weird places like in the hills of Glenville where you'll never walk to. There's corners there. And uh, when they would set corners, um, and this even happens like on Rosedale Highway where they don't, you don't want anyone to be in the road, so instead of setting the monument in the center of the road, they will set what's called a witness corner. A witness corner. A witness corner is a corner that has an exact point and position that can get a surveyor, whoever's using the measurement, to the correct property corner. And a lot of times, the, if you have two or more, you really have a tight position, even though it's not on the position. They're witnesses to that position. And so I have a picture, Sister Kennedy would show it on the board this morning, in the heels of... of let's say like Glenville or here in Kirk County, anywhere in the mountains where you have hilly terrain, rocky terrain, and areas where it's hard to navigate. But there's a corner that had to be set. There was a position that had to be held. 
And in order to find that position, you got to realize back in the day they didn't have any type of digital collection devices to give you like a GPS coordinate on that position. So you can go to Google Maps and get kind of close. There was none of that. So they were set like a rock mound, but they had to have a witness corner of that position. And what you're looking at on the screen to my left is what's called a bearing tree. And a bearing tree is a tree that was around during the time of the setting of the monument. And the bearing tree was used as a witness to the actual position. And the way that tree became a witness is the surveyor who set the monument would go to the tree and he would blaze deep within that oak or deep within that tree a cut to get to the center, the very core of that tree, not the very center, but to the, to the, to the life of that tree. And there's numbers carved into that tree. And a lot of times the numbers are a bearing and a distance. From the face of that tree, if you were to go that bearing and that distance using a, an original surveying compass, you would get really close or right onto the actual corner or even find the corner. And a lot of times they would set two or even three. And yes, sometimes that these trees get cut down and sometimes that scar gets covered over with bark and you have to cut back into it. But that tree is a witness. That tree is a testament that I was here and I can show you exactly where the position is. If you cannot find the position, there's a whole uh, bunch of writings on lost and obliterated corners. A lost corner is one that can never be found, and there might be witnesses to the corner that can bring it back into position. Um, these are very good uh, ways to control the position because they're close. They're within you know, 10, 20, 30 feet of the position. You could always recalculate and bring back in a position from the monument a half mile away. But if it's hilly terrain and you don't have line of sight, it can be very difficult to get it back into the original spot. And so we set witness corners. And they still do this in forested areas. But the reason why I'm showing you this today is that is a very powerful testimony of how to get where you were lost and how to, how to not be lost. And you're lost and you can't find your direction. But there's a witness there that says if you just come a certain distance from where this tree is standing, you will find the exact position that you need to get your fence staked for your property. This, is, this was lost, but now it's found. And, the, and, and, and it's, it's really cool to find one of those. We have a few in our office, and uh, the, the, the purpose of those is just to testify that something was lost, but now you can find it. Amen. Now you can find it because I'm here today to witness to you that you can find your direction. Hallelujah. You can find your way. Hallelujah. I was here when that event happened and I can tell you all about it. And today in this house there's all kinds of witnesses that someone could come into this place broken. Hallelujah. Someone could come into this house needing something from the Lord and you can be a witness to them. You can minister to them. And the musicians, if you would come, I'm coming to a very rapid close. But I just want to tell somebody that whatever God has done for you, that's a powerful testimony. You should never ever, ever, ever take it for granted what God has 
has done for you. You don't know who will come in your life, and you don't know who will need the testimony that you have and the witness. They may come into this place lost, not having direction, not knowing up from down, but you can tell them, hey, you've come to the right place. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about an almighty God who can do something great for you, who can deliver you from your sin. I was once like you. I was lost. I went through that situation, but God did this for me. Yeah, it took a little bit from me, but God did the rest. God provided the miracle. God healed me. God saved my family. God saved my lost loved one. God delivered me from drugs. I'm a witness today. You may come here without hope, but let me give you hope. Hallelujah. We're in a church full of witnesses today. We can sit around and just talk about everyone's testimony. I can tell you that God has done great things in this house this this morning. He's done great things in people's life. I look all across, and I don't mean to pick on anybody or call them out by name, but Brother Nate, for a long time, as long as I've known him over 24 years, I've heard him in prayer meetings, and I've heard him at the altar just weeping and crying for God to move on his father, God to touch his father, Pete. God, save my father. I I can't tell you how many times I've heard Brother Nate just cry out for a lost loved one, and even when his father was on his deathbed, he asked to be baptized in Jesus' name. That's a witness to tell somebody you never stop praying. God's timing is the best timing. God's way is the best way. Hallelujah. We have people like Brother Raymond who had not the easiest life growing up. He spent some time behind places he didn't want to be, but he's here today in the house of God, and he's a testimony to somebody to say it doesn't matter what kind of life you were brought up in, what kind of pain you've went through. It doesn't even matter if you've been in prison. God can use you, and God can restore you, and God can provide for you. Oh, hallelujah, as we all stand together in the house this morning, I want to know if there's somebody who can say, you know what, I have a testimony. I have a witness. I can tell of the goodness of God. Hallelujah, he's done great things for me. He's done powerful things for me. Hallelujah. Do you remember when God delivered you? Do you remember where you were in your pit of despair when God picked you up out of the miry clay and he set your feet on a rock to stay? Do you look back 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and you can see that God has brought you a mighty long way. Brother Huff is here. Brother Rob Huff is a testimony that you could come to God empty. He's a witness that God could take you from not having anything and give you everything you ever hoped for, everything you never thought you deserved. Hallelujah. I wonder if we witness enough I wonder if we love Jesus enough or if we just expect the church to take care of that. I wonder if we really have a desire to go out from this place and share the truth about who Jesus is. It was a couple by the name of R.C. and Elma Abbott that told my mother about this church. She had received church early and earlier, a couple years before that, and in Miami and she knew there was only one truth how did my mom find truth because there was a neighbor that lived across the street that walked across the street knocked on my mom's door and said hey do you want to go to church brother Booker's church Miami Oklahoma and the impact of that church service caused my mom to be baptized in Jesus name because one one person witnessed 
she she backslid and we came here and she didn't have the Holy Ghost looking for work someone brought him to R.C. and Elma Abbott they asked if they ever went to church she says there's only one church I'll go to and she says and they asked her what do you mean by that she goes well you probably don't know the person but his name's Larry Booker he had just preached a revival for Brother Terry the kind of church he goes to is the only church I'll go to because one person witnessed then two more people witness to her and today I'm a product of somebody going across the street and inviting my mom to an apostolic service I'm a product of a witness who else out there is waiting on your testimony who else needs to hear about the goodness of God oh there's so many eyewitnesses in this place there's so many expert witnesses character references in this house hallelujah what would happen if you just started spreading the good news hallelujah as they sing this morning I just wonder if we could just raise our hands and just thank God for what he's done in our life hallelujah God I want to be a witness hallelujah I want to be a willing vessel I want to tell people about you that's right go ahead and worship him he's done great things for you this morning he does he's done more Marvelous things. Hallelujah. I want to tell the world about it. I want to sing praises to you, God. Even if it's my midnight hour, I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to magnify you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you and I worship you, Jesus. Oh, that's right. Let's worship him. Let's thank him for his testimony. Let's thank him for his power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I say Quick, real quick. 